Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Good morning. It's Lin Lee with you on Morning Shot. Now, even with the dismantling of zero COVID restrictions, its effects continue to be felt among the world's largest workforce. I'm talking about China, of course. China's youth unemployment hit a new record high of 21.3% in June. This means more than one in five of those between 16 to 24 years old are unemployed. Analysts are saying that the weak pace of growth has raised expectations that authorities may soon announce new stimulus measures to boost the economy. Is there a silver lining for these youths as a record 11.6 million university graduates are expected to hit the Chinese jobs market this year? For a deeper analysis, let's speak with Ross Feingold, Director of Business Development at SafePro Group. Hey Ross, good to have you back with us. Good morning. Good morning. So what do you make of the latest unemployment numbers? Well, yeah, this is an issue that's gotten an enormous amount of international media coverage. Uh, you know, it could just be a sign of a, a relatively weak period in Chinese economy, or it could be a sign of some really significant long-term uh, issues that policymakers will need to address. Uh, and of course, whenever we talk about unemployment in China, there's always this looming issue of could it lead to some kind of social unrest as well, which the authorities obviously in China are always concerned about. And uh, you know, one kind of point is that's part of that discussion is the, the so-called white uh, paper protest last year with, with COVID lockdown. And people also speculate that that was kind of something that unemployed young people would participate in, you know, word spreads on social media, which young people use. They're not working, so uh, you know, they have time to protest. Uh, so again, um, you know, it does have that risk as well that uh, when you have a lot of young people, often university educated, whose expectations are not met, that mm-hmm. uh, they could take take out their frustrations in, in, in this kind of way as well. How is this going to play out? Are we also seeing misalignment between the sectors and types of Drops. It is not unusual in an economy that's had a period of rapid growth and society in general having a period of rapid, rapid modernization where the number of slots in universities has increased significantly uh, in recent decades. We saw this in a lot of other uh, economies in the region as well, right? If we go back 40, 50 years ago, uh, slots in universities were far fewer. It really was kind of the cream of the crop that Mm -hmm. would get into university. Uh, A lot of people studying in STEM fields, for example, you know, science, technology, engineering, uh, mathematics. Uh, but, but over time, more people start to take courses in uh, liberal arts, uh, which doesn't mean that, that they don't learn skills that are useful in the economy. But uh, yeah, employers, uh, of course, are always going to prioritize people with the hard sciences background. Um, and uh, the, the fact is a lot of people who uh, in recent years have had the opportunity to go to university in China. They may have been studying uh, liberal arts or marketing and uh, other other fields, which, again, it doesn't mean that they're not going to become successful in the mm-hmm. workplace, but very often they're looking for jobs in, in the services sector that requires training. And uh, in a period when there's a lot of competition because there are more people with those kinds of degrees mm. uh, and the economy might be slowing down a bit, then there's just not going to be the same number of job openings available. Yeah, more often than not, it's not 
just about the work, it's also about the compensation. There's a large gap between the reservation wage rate that young graduates are willing to accept and the rate that firms are willing to pay as one of the key reasons for youth unemployment in China. Could you elaborate on what's actually fueling this gap to start with? Well, again, it's just a lot of downward pressure on wages if there are a lot of people chasing a smaller number of jobs. And that's why some people just drop out, and that's also gotten a lot of attention. Drop out of looking for a job, and that's also gotten a lot of attention recently. Uh, but, but with a lot of people chasing smaller number due to the slowdown as well uh, of service jobs, it starts to put some, some downward pressure on those wages. And then young people start to say, uh, you know, what's the point? You know, what's the point of working nine to nine, six days a week? Is often the case with these kinds of white collar office jobs uh, for for really low wages. You know, to to do something, for example, in customer service or sales. And again, you know, these are jobs that people with with a variety of different uh, liberal arts, marketing or sales or econs kind of degrees might go into as an entry level job, and they could be trained up. Uh, but the hours are very long, and the wages are going to be low because there's so many graduates chasing those kinds of jobs. And the economy has, has slowed down. Um, so it puts a lot of pressure on the wages. And then some people just say it, it's not worth it. You know, it's not mm-hmm. worth it for some kind of sales job or customer service job uh, to, to work those kinds of hours. So then we get this phenomenon of people dropping out of uh, even looking for a job and staying home with their folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because the folks benefited from the period of rapid growth over the past 30 or 40 years. Uh, so they might be able to support one adult child since these are often one uh, single child families anyway because of the past uh, very strict policies in that regard. Uh, so they have that option, uh, which is not necessarily something that may have exist in other countries and other economies that went through uh, analogous cycles. Very interesting. Now, Ross, the National Bureau of Statistics, an official from there, says the jobless rate for these youths is going to get worse and uh, the July numbers could be worse. So how long on average do you think it would take for China's graduates to land jobs? Uh, and um, what's a reasonable reasonable time frame for graduates to stay unemployed before we see it take a toll on China's Yeah, economy? that's a great question. I, I think it's, it's hard to assess because... Uh, we have this again. We have this phenomenon of, of uh, you know, they call it tongping, you know, mm-hmm. people laying down, uh, dropping out of looking for a job for extended periods of time, which mm-hmm. I think makes the data very unreliable. And then another very interesting aspect about this question is uh, authorities have been trying to encourage uh, people in this cohort to consider moving to tier two, tier three mm-hmm. cities, as they're called in China, or even moving to the countryside. Uh, so. Uh, Another way to look at it is that there actually might very well be jobs available. Uh, They just don't want those jobs. (laughs) They they don't want to do manual labor, for example. Mm -hmm. They don't want to move to other cities, less prestigious cities, for example. How long is it going to take them to find their preferred job? Well, they could wait forever, actually. Mm -hmm. Or in some cases, they could go back to school. Um, Another thing to watch would be whether those kinds of working holidays opportunities are going to exist in other countries. You know, those things were turned off during COVID. And we also have countries that, frankly, are, are, are getting more strict with allowing um, Chinese or Chinese students uh, to come, you know, mm-hmm. Australia and the United States being examples of that. Uh, so I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but the answer to your question might very well be forever. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, or you know, it could be a much shorter period if, if the economy does 
start to return to more significantly higher growth mm-hmm. level that, that we're kind of used to seeing from China. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it stays around 5%, the forecasts are you know, hovering around 5%, you know, the answer for some of those people really might be forever if they, you know, they don't want to start off with these very low-wage and long-hour jobs. Mm, you're right. We are talking about well-educated youth here who are facing unemployment. Do you think that the uh, COVID-19 pandemic actually brought about a new layer of perhaps vulnerability to them? Well, people start to work from home and, uh, you know, that that's something that people start to think about in the sense of, uh, again, you know, why, why work nine to nine, uh, six days a week for very low wages uh, when there, there are alternative models. Of course, there's the sharing economy, which you know, China is, mm. is in some ways is a pioneer, although not every sharing economy idea that, that has briefly become popular uh, in China worked. There was the online uh, tutoring, which is a great job for a lot of young people, even if their academic background wasn't in the sciences or the maths. A lot of them did study foreign language, for example, which was a popular online tutoring path for people to do. And again, during the the pandemic period, uh, people could stay home and do that kind of work. Uh, But as I'm sure many of the listeners know, there's been this significant uh, regulatory change. Some people like to call it a crackdown Mm -hmm. uh, on the online education uh, field as well. Uh, So it it really kind of changes, you know, the outlook for a lot of young people and uh, they just don't want to take the low wage jobs, you know, it really Mm -hmm. keeps coming back down Mm -hmm. to that. And and very often there's a lot of competition for those low wage jobs anyway. So they're tough to get, even if you want to get it. So, you know, they're they're back to that option of, you know, dropping out for a while and staying with mom and dad. Mm, Ross, a lot of doom and gloom here. But looking ahead, is there a silver lining in all of this, this unemployment rate? And are there policy stimulants, you think, that needs to be introduced to ease this issue? Well, the expectation on the street, you know, if we look at uh, the comments coming from uh, the economists uh, and, and the, the China economy watchers, is that stimulus is going to come. It's just that the policymakers have been a bit conservative in recent months. You know, there was this hope sort of around the first quarter that the economy would kind of turn around on its own with revenge buying after China uh, relaxed the COVID restrictions. And uh, as we got into the second quarter, that clearly has not occurred on its own. And it does look likely that that some kind of significant stimulus package is going to be necessary. So the question is going to become where, when, and how will China's policymakers do that? Which part of the country will they focus on? When will they do this? And what will be part of the stimulus package, you know, what sectors will, will it help support real estate? Uh, you know, if it supports the real estate market, that's not necessarily going to address the issues we're talking mm-hmm. about with youth unemployment. Is it going to help companies more broadly, some kind of subsidy to hire young people? You know, this, this remains to be seen, but the expectation is there will be some kind of large stimulus package at some point in the not-too-distant future, and that probably will help with the youth unemployment somewhat. All right, Ross, uh, lots to talk about, but that's all the time we have today. Always great to have you on. Thanks. We've been speaking with Ross Feingold, Director of Business Development at SafePro Group. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.